Father, we know that you speak. And out of the mouth of babes, you confirm everything that you want us to know in an instant, in a moment of truth that you want to reveal to us. At such a time as this, we thank you for allowing us the precious word of God to be released to each one of us, that we might eat of it, and that we might grow thereby and become strong. The day has come when we must take hold of meat. And we thank you for that meat this morning, that every heart, no matter where they are, will receive what is God. And they will be changed into the new man that you have created, even more so, as they will shape us and form us into the image of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you care for us so much. We don't always understand the journey and we don't always understand the things that happen. But we have a trust in you which we established in our hearts by worshipping you and praising you and glorifying you. Release your word this morning that may fall upon good ground. In Jesus' name, Amen. Some time ago I was in rural Australia ministering and I saw with my visible eye a shimmering blouse come down from heaven as I called a mantle for a lady. Instructed by the Lord to do so and when I did the shimmering blouse came down and over this lady and she went under the power of the Lord. Later on in trying to explain to the pastor of the church some weeks or months later about what I saw I found it hard to explain to him and then we were driving along to go for another conference somewhere and suddenly the wind got a hold of a tree on the highway and, and moved the branches quite violently and as it did the back of the leaf was silver in color and it shimmered as the wind moved the tree back and forth. And I said to him, man, that's what I saw that day in the church when I ministered over this lady. God wants us to look into the invisible. Amen? So today my title is Accessing the Invisibility of God. Bible says, what the eye has not seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. In that particular verse, the verse is talking about what the natural eye is not seen. Amen? What the eye has not seen. Now many people try to see God with their natural eyes and they fail miserably and so they get upset and they want to give up on God because they can't see Him visibly and they go around making idols to give him an image that they can see with their natural eyes. But God is not visible to the natural eye and he's only visible to the one whom he wants to see him. Amen? Amen. Not every man will see God. Not every man can see God and live. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that God is a spirit and God is invisible and he wants us to understand that in order to see him, we have to access him in the realm of the invisible. And that is the realm of the spirit. So being a natural person, it's not always easy to exercise our supernatural senses to see God. So we need the help of the Holy Spirit to give us that faculty to be able to see God and to know Him. Many people in the Bible scoffed at what God had prepared for them or had promised them. Uh, Sarah scoffed Abraham's wife at the idea of being pregnant and producing a child when she was barren. And she knew her husband was old and impotent and how was it all going to happen and she scoffed at the idea. Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, had doubts and many other in the Bible thought it was impossible for God 
to do what he had promised. But others believed God and gave up a lot to follow him, as though they could see him. Now listen very carefully. As though they could see him. Come with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27. The Bible is very descriptive about God in many, many wonderful ways. And also talks about the invisibility of God quite a lot. Hebrews 11 verse 27. It says, by faith, this is talking about Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who was he seeing? Hallelujah. You gotta you gotta ask yourself, who was he seeing? Abraham had an experience with God where God appeared to him in Genesis 12 7. So he could see God. And so he decided to follow God because God appeared to him and spoke to him. Moses was both seeing and hearing the invisible and decided to follow God. Forsaking Egypt meaning forsaking the world. Now you and I supposedly have forsaken the world. But my question to you today is, where is your faith? Okay, how important is the world to you today that you give it more credence than what you do not see? See, the prophetic works on what you cannot see. Okay? That's why it's prophetic. It's telling you about an upcoming event. Either in your life, or in the nation, or in the world. So, you can't see it, but you hear about it, and you need to put some image to it, so you start to describe it for yourself. But that's not correct. The moment your mind starts to describe what you hear, you're making a mistake. God has prepared many wonderful things for you and me. It's in the invisible. So that's why he says to you and me, it hasn't been seen, it hasn't been heard, it hasn't entered your heart, what I have prepared for you. Meaning that you are trying to access this in the natural. You have to access it in the realm of the spirit. Let's look at Hebrews 11.3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So something pre-existed before the world, material, building material, creative material, existed before the world came into being, right? They were not seen, they were not even understood, they didn't, nobody knew about it. And God brought that out of His world and made this world. And now you see what was invisible has become visible. Amen? So if that was the case, which we know it is, what else is in the invisible? And that's what we need to discover and that's what we need to understand. Man, you know, got very proud with his own understanding of what he could see and he began to take the material of this world and start building upon it and with it 
that which he desired in his own heart and had, had purpose in his imagination to bring about and he brought about the Tower of Babel saying I will reach up the sky using material that was on the earth was only designated for the earth it wasn't designated for heaven God destroyed the so-called Tower of Babel and brought confusion to mankind so today man's producing and inventing things out of this world which is actually bringing confusion hello you're listening to me this morning you got smartphones you got TVs you got all sorts of things that are gadgets made from the material of this world with the intentions and the imaginations of this world and what it is doing is it's sort of enhancing you it is confusing to make you believe that it has some value so the more you get involved in it the less you understand of the supernatural so you say hello I've got this latest gadget some guy in China sold his kidney or his liver to get the latest iPhone right that's how desperate people have become in life so what are you and I doing to access God by using worldly things we're saying we want to love you God we want to worship you God we want to come closer to you God but in actual fact what we receive from God in the invisible we take and we waste upon the world and upon our own lives I want to say this to you none of what man makes is original okay none of what Satan makes is original no matter how brilliant the idea is and no matter if nobody in the history of mankind has done it it's not original so what is invisible is more real than what is visible that is why you and I call upon the name of the Lord because we know the natural cannot do what God can do. Have you ever seen a man sit and meditate? What is he doing? He's accessing the invisible. If you come to India, you can go to certain places where they sit in a place for years and years and years and years and do not move from there. They defecate there, they urinate over there, they do everything over there, but they do not move from that city, that place on the ground. Their hair grows up, they don't bathe, and they just meditate. They have gone, they might not even be in their bodies. This is a practice that goes on quite widespread in India. And they travel to the realms of the worlds that God has created. And they're interacting with beings in other worlds that are demonic and they bring it back to the earth and people bow down and worship them saying that these guys are somewhat what we have to understand is that God is accessible even though he is invisible you don't have to do something like that to access God. Amen? You don't. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. 
So it's very clear here. It says the Lord appeared to Abraham. Let's look at Acts 9.17. We're picking up the story of Apostle Paul before he was Paul. And he'd just been blinded by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Look at verse 17, Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul has a supernatural encounter on the road to Damascus. He sees into the invisible ground. He says that others heard the voice but they didn't see. Can we see? Do we have senses enough to see? Because God wants to appear. God wants to reveal himself. God, the pursuit of God that you and I have is that we want to make Him visible. Mm. Right? That's, a, that's our heart's desire. We want to see God. Not just know Him or know about Him <coughs> or worship Him. We want to actually see Him. So the pursuit of God is to see Him. And we pray and we ask, Lord, we want your manifest presence in this place. And so we ask for the manifest presence of the Lord. And when the manifest presence of the Lord comes, we give it shape and form. And we say, this is the presence of the Lord. Because it has been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit that this is the presence of the Lord. But there are other times when things happen that look similar but they are not the presence of the Lord and they are not God. Because there's a duplicator who comes in and duplicates what is of God. So we need to know who we are dealing with at any given moment. So the desire to have the presence of the Lord it's a wonderful desire to have, to be able to see God, the manifestation of God. But, at the same time, it, one has to be cheers as to what we are actually inviting. Because there are other spirits that are around who are listening in on what we are saying to God. And they say, aha, here's an opportunity for us to duplicate and pretend that we are God. So many fall for that. So many erroneous practices take place in the church saying that this is God. Not only false prophecies or false teachings or so on and so forth, but actual acts that take place saying that this is God. Because somebody will say, God spoke to me. Now, <laughs> I had a friend in the Gold Coast. He said he was in charge of the Salvation Halfway, Salvation Army Halfway House. And I said, how did you manage, mate? Because there were all sorts of people who came to your place. And he said, oh, easy. He said, I'd tell them first thing when they walked in the door. He said, I'll believe everything you say. But the moment you shoot yourself in the foot, man, you're out the door. Right? And that's the same with what we do with God. Is that if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I had a word from God, and this is the word, I'll believe you. Till you are disproven, and you've just shot yourself in the foot. So your credibility is lost. Okay? You are not to be believed. You are not to be trusted as someone who actually hears God. Because you are saying that you heard God. Somebody will say, I saw God. They say, okay, I believe you. But let's see if that is going to outwork itself. 
in your life. It's an awe-inspiring scenario to have God in the presence of His people. It's magnificent to watch. It is impossible to duplicate to the one who is born of the Spirit. Amen? The one who is born of the Spirit can see and know and understand because He's born of the Holy Spirit. But even the one who is born of the Holy Spirit must have it tested. Otherwise, there's a good chance that familiarity will breed contempt and they'll make a mistake down the track. And that's how the devil gets many, many people. Like in the book of Galatians chapter 3, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, you started. Hello? You started in the Spirit. But you ended up with the flesh. How did that happen? How can you start in the spirit and end up with the flesh? Because there's self-deception. There's something called self-deception. Because you haven't seen or heard the true word of God. You're only saying that you have. And you, you bring in some credibility of your Christian life from 20 years or 30 years or 10 years and you say, well, I have all these accolades from those many years to prove that I'm a good Christian. Well, let me put you to the test now. Let me see if you'll hold strong. After 40 years of wilderness, will you hold strong onto God? The day of persecution and martyrdom is upon us and they will push you to the wall and they will ask you to deny Jesus Christ in 10,000 convoluted ways and you might just do it. Perhaps you're even doing it now and you don't know that you're doing it. But God is gracious. God is gracious and He's giving us an opportunity. You see, Theo Osborne went to India as a young missionary and he was on the stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. And a Hindu priest came up to him and said, If your God is real, then heal me now. And nothing happened. And T.L. Osborne ran out in shame. Out of India. And went and hid himself in America. And then he said to his wife, I'm going to lock myself in the room. Don't open this door. If I die, I die in this room. But if God doesn't meet me, I'm done. He came out of that room three days later. Completely fired up. And became one of the greatest healing evangelists of all time. And he could prove God. The invisible God. By the manifest presence and power of God. In healing and deliverance. And he said this is my God. And this is what he does, and this is his power, and this is how he operates, and this is his gospel of salvation. Now I want to show it to you by speaking it to you, by revealing it to you, by manifesting it to you, and you will meet this living God. And you will know him for yourself, and you will see him for yourself, and you will become a minister of God for yourself. No man need teach you, for the anointing himself will teach you. But the anointing cannot work till the preacher is sent. And the preacher reveals the living God to you and to me. I don't care who we are. You can be born in a church and that doesn't make you a Christian. That doesn't make you one who knows God. Being born in a garage doesn't make me a Ferrari. 
as they say. So the gateway to an invisible God has been created through His Son Jesus, who has been given to us as the door. Now listen carefully. As a door. The door is a person. The person of God manifests as in 1 Timothy 3.16, God manifests in the flesh, seen of angels, and ratified by men and by the Spirit, and He is revealed. Now you are seeing God for yourself. In Jesus, the gateway, the doorway into heaven, into the presence of the Father. Can I have that picture? What you are seeing here is a short dumpy priest. <laughs> Sorry, forgive me priest. What you are seeing here is the old covenant of the priest before the veil and he is worshipping God from one side of the veil because he can't get into the other side except if he's the high priest and wants it. Now notice that there is some furniture in the part where he is. It's called the holy place where the lamp is, the showbread is, okay, uh, the table, all sorts of other things are there, all sorts of vessels to minister to God. Now, many Christians are like that priest. They get into the holy place. Somehow, they manage it. They come out from the world into the outer court and they receive the blood of Jesus and they make it into the holy place somehow through years and years of struggle with the faith. But that's as far as they get. Because the veil is still over their eyes. They say, oh, hang on a second, I'm a born again Christian. I've seen miracles, signs and wonders. What are you talking about? You know, uh, are you sure you know what you're saying? Yes, yes, I'm very sure about uh, what I'm saying because it happened to me. I thought I knew. The God said, hang on a second, there's a veil over your eyes and you haven't seen. He's not talking about a veil of deception. He's not talking about a veil of the devil. He's talking about a veil that stops you by your own design from getting into the presence, into the most holy place where you are welcome. It's by your own design. There is no veil. Because the veil was torn, you can remove that picture now, please. Thank you. There is no veil because Jesus tore the veil, became the doorway, and he entered into the presence of God once for all. And you can come in there boldly yourself because of what Jesus did. The veil in the Old Testament represented the God, God's unapproachable nature and invisibility. He is no longer unapproachable and he is no longer invisible. Amen. But have you seen him? And I'll tell you, 99% of us will equate it to seeing him in the flesh. Guarantee. We will equate it to seeing him in the flesh. And you can't see him in the flesh. You can't. It's impossible. Well, added to the veil that has been torn and removed, and Jesus made the gateway, there are other invisible gates through which we must enter into the supernatural cause. Now, when I first came here to the uh, Western Australia, I've come with the intention of bringing 
the supernatural of God to the area. And I met incredible resistance to it. Because people didn't want to know the invisibility of God manifests in amongst us. They didn't want to know that. Because I was touching on things that they had become comfortable with. The so-called sacred cows. And killing off the sacred cows in a person's life can be very painful, can be very disturbing, can be very distracting, can be very aggressive by the Holy Spirit. Because He will remove something that you are familiar with and don't want to give up. And then people want me to preach another gospel to them so that it can be made comfortable to the way they think and have lived their Christian life up to then. But God sends people like me into places like this to stir the pot. Because it happened to me. God sent somebody to stir up my pot and to break all the things that were wrong with me and, in, in, and bring jealousy into my spirit okay, spiritual jealousy and, and say why would you use a rat when you can use a lion he says because you are the rat and he is the lion you think you know me you think you know me through the scriptures. You think you know me through your prayers and sacrifices of following me. You think you know me. He told the Samaritan woman, you think you know God. You don't know him at all. He said you don't know who you even worship. So our pursuit is to know God, to see him and to find out how to come into his presence. And so why should I go into his presence? I'm happy if he just drops a few blessings upon me once in a while and I'll be fine, thank you very much. But his greatest desire, his greatest desire is his children to come and be with him. John 12, 26, that you may be where I am. And the I am is on the throne in the Holy of Holies. And He's calling us as a body, He's calling us as individuals, you know, shake off those things that you're so familiar with and come into the place that you're unfamiliar with. And I will meet you there. He told Moses, come into the place that I've prepared and I will meet you there. Where was that? In the innermost sanctum. And I will meet you there. Come there. I will meet you there. But going there is not going to be easy because it, it, it formulates a discipline in each one of us at any given stage of our life, no matter where we are. And if we don't follow that discipline, we're not going to get there. But we will yap a lot like as though we know what we're talking about. The invisible gates other than Jesus, is prayer, faith, the Word, the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Prayer, faith, the Word, the blood of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. No sad man, no self-respecting human being will say that this word has any life. That's why they reject it. Say, how can this bring what I need? How can this make a difference in my life? And we were all like that. We were all like that. We might have owned the Bible, but it sat on the shelf. We called ourselves Christians. We even went to church. We even paid our tithes, but we did not believe God, or nor did we accept what God was doing in our lives. We did it out of tradition. We did it out of fear of our parents. We did it because we, we felt, oh, this is a good thing to do. 
But a real hunger and thirst for God? To know Him, to see Him, to understand Him and to walk with Him? No. So God gave us Jesus to bring us out of our depression, oppression and sin and give us an opportunity to come into the invisible to get what is invisible to change our circumstances on earth. Nothing else will change it. No cancerous person will get healed unless Jesus intervenes. Mm. They, they might give him some medicine to make them feel better, uh, but only up to a point in time. But till Jesus intervenes, they're not going to get healed or delivered. And so when the invisible gates don't operate in our lives, prayer, faith, word, blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we don't have what God has already prepared for us, which our eye has not seen the year. You see, the answer is always right next to you. Always. He said, I have prepared a supper table in the presence of your enemies. So we know we have enemies. Even our own mind is our enemy. But he said, I have prepared something for that. Now we have to see it. We have to know what it's saying. We have to know how to take it. And we have to receive it and actually employ it. But people struggle with the idea of God and the idea of meeting or speaking with Him because He remains invisible to those who do not see Him. Can you imagine see you're walking down the street, you see a man sitting on the road and praying to God. You say, what's he doing? So people say, oh, he's just gone mad, you know, he sits there every day and prays. But he's actually gone mad. But he's not gone mad, <laughs> he's sitting there every day and praying. He's praying unto God, who nobody else can see, nor can he see. And he's asking for revival to come to the land. They don't know this. And they say, oh, the guy has gone mad. Human understanding always determines that something must be seen with a natural eye before it can be believed upon. So that's why he said, eye has not seen. The natural eye has not seen. But man wants to see before he believes. He cannot believe and then see. So we are demanding that the invisible become manifest for us to believe in it and bring it down to our level of thinking. You know, the funny thing about people is that they will believe in something spooky. Easily. In a moment. You know, you say, somebody say, oh, the devil, you know, he came, I was walking down the street and uh, my hair stood up because it was dark and I was seeing shadows and all sorts of things and said, see, they're all ready to believe in the devil. You know the best way to evangelize on the street is don't talk to people about Jesus. Start the conversation with the devil. Tell them, I want to talk to you about the devil. They'll stay there and they'll listen to you. And then tell them about Jesus. Because they're more tuned to the devil, they're more tuned to the worldly things, they're more tuned to the spooky things. They're watching it on TV, they're, they're being taught it. You know, Isaac sees monsters in the night. <laughs> There's no monsters, but he sees them. Invisible things, they're not even there. Because it's darkness, and that's what darkness does. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, the imaginations of your mind, the imaginations of your mind bring them into subjection. So the moment you walk into the room and you put the light on, there's nothing there. Right? There's absolutely nothing there. So that's why Jesus said, don't worry about anything. There's nothing there to worry about. He said, no, but there is something to worry about, God, and I'm worrying about it, and you don't seem to understand that I'm worrying about it. And he says, child, I know you're worrying about it, but I'm telling you there's nothing there. He says, here, let me put the light on. Bang. And he gives you a word. You get a rima, and you get a revelation. And 
and suddenly you see. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Somebody said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And then they read the verse before that and say, I got a revelation and said, wow, it's God who makes the destroyer. I got it. I got it. I said, I've been saying no weapon formed against me shall prosper without understanding the previous verse before that. When the remo of that word hit me, I knew why no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That was it, end of story. No need to worry anymore. The light always dispels darkness. Darkness has to do with the imaginations of our mind. Jealous people, they imagine things. Envious people, they imagine things. People who can't hear properly hear the wrong thing and then they imagine things. Right? Because in the natural, they've heard something else. And so they start to imagine things. Oh no, you said that. Say, so, no, I didn't say that at all. No, you said that. I heard it. Say, so, but hang on a second, your hearing is not very good. No, but you can't tell them that the hearing is not very good, because then they'll get offended because you told them the hearing is not very good. So then you got another problem. When God did make himself known to the world, he did so by appearing to men on different occasions, either by his own appearance or by getting people to appear before him in heaven and by angelic visitations. This was scary to say the least because when men were caught up in a vision like Ezekiel and Isaiah or see God almost face to face on earth like Moses and Jacob, it was scary. Something happened. That, that was beyond imagination. Now they were facing a reality of meeting with God that they had no, no base, there was no uh, reference point. There's absolutely no reference point. The Jews believed in God they were because they were chosen race and God gave them faith and so they lived by faith. God, God wants us to know Him by His creation. So, you know, when the wind moves, you can see the trees rustling, but till then you cannot see the wind. Right? You cannot. So, till you move with the Spirit, I cannot see the spirituality in you. Either by speech or by action. Some way that designates the life of Christ and is made manifest. But if you move in another way, I might be able to see that and say, well, that's not Christ. So I want to see Christ in the person. But if Christ does not, is not developed in that person to the point where he's visible, I cannot see him in that person. Yeah. May come and go as the wind. But it's not consistent. The Holy Spirit is described as the wind. And he's blowing here and there everywhere. But when he moves on people, we get all sorts of reactions. People begin to manifest. In a godly way or in an ungodly way. So, I'm accessing God invisible to make him visible and then I say God come to this meeting and make yourself visible so now I'm not designated how he should come because when I do that I'm putting it in a box so he comes and he knocks out the first row of people over there but he doesn't touch anybody else Now people look at that and say, well, that's not God. Somebody said, oh, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came from them and they all started acting in run, and they spoke in tongues and we saw fire. So one of the evangelicals said, that is not a repeatable encounter. 
So I scratched my head and I said, well, Acts 10 talks about it again. When it happened to Cornelius and his family. So it must have repeated once. And then it repeated again in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6, when Apostle Paul laid his hands on the disciples of John the Baptist. I said, hang on a second. So there's now three repetitions of the same thing. So by two or three witnesses of the word of God, everything is confirmed. So if it is happening, even Simon the sorcerer saw it happening. He wanted it. So now I'm accessing the invisible God and I said, God, if I lay hands on somebody and call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, will it happen? He said, why don't you try it? So somebody said, okay, let me try it. And they tried it. And the invisible God came and hit this person that you, they were praying for and they began to speak in tongues, like gibberish. And all the others around them said, hey, what's this guy talking about? But the Holy Ghost hit this guy because the preacher prayed for him. But now in the setting of a crusade, Reinhard Bonnke prays for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a million people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And suddenly you're seeing God amongst men. And yet people say, that's not good. It's written that we will speak in tongues of men and of angels. We will speak mysteries of the Lord. So when are we going to do that? If you don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues, when are we going to do that? See, when you believe in God, there's a strain, there's, there's a big strain on you and on me to trust Him. Amen? Because you can't see Him. Because you can't see Him. Because you're not getting answers to your prayer. Because He's not saying anything. And like for example, in your healing, you're not getting healed. And you're, you're accessing him. And you're saying, no, I'm a good Christian. I love you, Lord. You know, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I do everything you ask me to do. So how come you are not healing me? And now you are talking. And your doubt is growing. Because you're not getting answers. Hebrews 11 tells us, you know, if you ever get into doubt, go to Hebrews 11. Read Hebrews 11. Over and over again talks about people who were sawn asunder. That means they were cut in half. And they did not deny their faith. Because they believed in an invisible God. Nobody saw him. None of those guys who died like that saw him. They tied, you know, ropes to their legs and hands and dismembered their body with chariots. They didn't deny Jesus. They didn't deny God. None of them. Because they saw him by faith. They, they suffered most horrendous things that one can inflict on mankind, but still believed in God as though they saw him. One question to us is, where do we see God in our lives? The coming of Jesus changed the invisibility of God to see God. And now we have the image of the spiritual man. Now when I see you, I see Christ. Or I should see Christ. Because you say you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But when I come to you, now listen to this carefully. When I come to you and you behave in the flesh, you speak in the flesh, you act in the flesh, you do something in the flesh. That's not Christ. I have to see past that. 
I have to see past that. And I have to see Christ in you. That's what keeps me in relationship. That's what allows me to minister to you. That's what gives me the indication of what is wrong in your, in your scenario. And when I see it, it is not because you tell me. I see it because the Holy Spirit opens my eyes to the situation. So I'm seeing the invisible through the Holy Spirit. Even some things that you don't know about. That's how the word of knowledge operates. And you look, you know when I was young, growing up as a little boy, and I grew up a lot, you know, a teenager, I could look into people's eyes, and I could see their soul. It scared the living daylights out. And everybody I met, I could see deep into their heart, and I knew exactly what was going on inside them. It scared me. Because I wasn't a born again Christian. I didn't know. I didn't know, is this psychic stuff? Or what is it? You know, but I could see. I said, God, I don't want this. Because I can't have a relationship with that person unless, you know, I don't know about some of these things in their lives. Because I would reject everybody. You know, God sees into our hearts. He knows exactly who you are and who I am. He knows. We try our best to hide it. And when we go to God, we say, He's invisible, He can't see. <laughs> we we'll put a veil over our own eyes when we go in his presence and say, oh well I think I'll hide that little thought right at the back over there. He can't see that. Because he's invisible. I have to tap into your spiritual senses. I have to reach you through your spiritual senses. I cannot reach you through your natural because your natural is going to be so ugly and my natural is going to be so ugly to you. So I will reject you as a brother or a sister in the Lord. It won't matter to me. I will just say, no. And that's when I become self-righteous. That's when I become, you know, better than you. And that's the danger. Because I start to judge based on my spirituality. But if God builds our hearts and allows us to see Him, we will see something completely different. Ephesians 1, 17 through to 23. He says, Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of their understanding that they might know who Jesus is. That he might see him seated on the throne, ruling over every principality and power. Give them the spirits of wisdom and revelation. Why is he praying that prayer? Because his eyes were opened. And he said, I want the same thing for you. Now, I've been trying to bring spirituality and supernatural stuff into this church and through the other church that we were in. But I was rejected. So I've been praying, Lord, open the eyes. Not because I'm better than you. So that you can join me in this and we can all be in the same ship without deception, without division. And we could head in the same direction. That's why. Oh no, but you stand opposed to the leader. You stand opposed to the pastor. You stand opposed to the church. You stand opposed to everything that is God. Because you want it your way. And you cannot see. You cannot see. No matter how much it is explained. No matter what is said to you. You cannot see. It says, open the eyes of your understanding that you might see. 
I say to people today, till you have an encounter with Jesus, all you have is theology and legalism. That's all you have. Even after you meet Jesus, you can end up being a legalist through this book. There are some of you here, I want to be honest with you, as a pastor of the church, I'm telling you, some of you are resisting yourself. So when you start to resist yourself, you resist everybody around you. What do I mean by when you say you resist yourself? It's like Gideon. God saw him as a mighty man of valor. He saw himself as an impoverished, least member of the, of the tribes of Israel, hiding in a cave. So what do you do? You take this book, you hide behind it. You take your experiences and you hide behind it. Your years of Christianity and you hide behind it. They say, I know you don't need to tell me. I know everything. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Yeah. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. And God will give you grace. We need grace to understand God. Don't resist yourself. God already knows who you are. He's offered you the best. He's giving you the best you can possibly have. And he said, no, I don't want it. Because you can't see. And you can't see that what he's giving you is the best. We must have an encounter. We must. Though the human mind of the Christian longs to see God, no man can see God without Jesus. And no man can see God unless he's holy. Apostle John was the bosom disciple of Jesus. He used to lie on the bosom of Jesus. And when he went to the island of Patmos and he was banished there, he saw Jesus as the Alpha and the Omega. Scary, scary, scary encounter. But he understood. When God began to speak to him and tell him what was coming. And he said, this time I'm coming as the Alpha and the Omega. Not your little baby in a manger. I'm coming as the Alpha and We better be ready. Don't fool around with him. And keep him in an image that you've created for yourself. And he's in your little alcove. And you're praying to that little image every day. And you will never change. No matter what anybody tells you, you will never change because you have predetermined who He is. The moment you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your journey is over. Your journey is over. And you can run here, you can run there, you can do what you like. If you don't come into line with Him, you will when you meet Him face to face. And you will be held accountable for what, you, what He offered you and you did not take. I listen to preachers today and they tell me 19 to the dozen. I say to them, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't come and tell me about all these stories. Because they are falling like flies everywhere. 
They're falling like flies. And people are running behind these people. And I think to myself, how is it possible? So because they do not see the living God. They, they, you know, if you saw the living God, you would have the fear of the Lord. Isaiah saw the living God and he said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. So every day you must be seeking purity. Every day you must be seeking something that is of the living God through Jesus so that you can see Him. Everything about God can be seen by seeing what we see in the natural through creation. The moment we cross over the spiritual or the supernatural, we begin to see the heavenly world around us. Gehazi saw the angels, Elisha's servant, because uh, Elisha prayed for him. Jacob saw the ladder to heaven. Mary saw the angel Gabriel. And many others had visions and dreams about God. And it all was the supernatural. You know, if the supernatural opened up to us today, we would have a heart attack and die. That's what's going to happen. The day is coming when the heavens will be opened and they will run into the caves and they will say, you know, let the rocks cover us because we want to hide from this vision of God. But you and I will be standing strong before God because we are covered by the blood of Jesus and because Jesus stands before us and we are wearing the robes of righteousness and the garments of salvation. And they will be running because that sight is going to be so terrible. But to the Christian, it's going to be so beautiful. The cherubims and the seraphims have their faces covered. I always ask myself, why? And I look back into the history and I see how Lucifer lost his way. You know, when you begin to start having supernatural encounters and you begin to see into the invisible and you begin to have results because of it, you can easily lose your way. Easily. And before you know it, you'll be adding and subtracting and, and talking about, there was a guy who lived in the Himalayas and he was dressed like a sadhu, he was a Christian. And he said to the Lord one day, he said, Lord, I'm right up here closer to the sun and it's very hot. You gave your people a cloud by day uh, to cover them from the sun, so why don't you give me one? So the Lord gave him a cloud. And wherever he went, this cloud followed him and covered him. Not long after he started to say he was Jesus. Not long after that he started saying he was Jesus. But miracle signs and wonders happen continuously. Not long after that we'll begin to say, it's I who's doing it. To give ourselves completely to God is to protect our sanity. It is to protect our sanity. Our faith is dependent on God by keeping the sanctity of what He gives us by faith so that we can access Him without destruction. That keeps our sanity. Right? Our sanity is dependent on what God gives us so that we know that whenever we see God that we are covered. You cannot see God uncovered. You cannot see God uncovered. Jesus is our covering. Don't take it for granted. Don't take your philosophy, your theology, your ministry, whatever it is that you have for granted. These are supernatural things that God has given us. It's the invisible realm that God has given us access to, to bring into the natural realm and use it for the glory of God. And the time is coming when it shall be in abundance upon this earth. And you'll say, wow, that's God. And you run there because they said Jesus is here. Or you run there because they said Jesus is there. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. 
Our sanity and faith to the very end is dependent on our trust in Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. And the more we see Him, the more we will understand. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus, our God, our Lord, our Savior, one in whom we trust and believe, the image of the invisible God. In him is the whole Godhead, dwelling entirely. And we thank you for Jesus this morning. Bless us. Continue to pursue you through Jesus. That if there be anything that comes our way, take us away from that knowledge. Let it be broken and destroyed. That we might be set free. Cover us under the blood we pray. And help us to be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.